We're in uh, James chapter 4, starting at verse 1. We're going to read through uh, to verse 10. And the context, as you guys know, as we've been going through this with James, is that James is saying, look, I love you guys. You're saved. You're a church. But I'm calling you back to the mission. I'm calling you to what we are in the kingdom and who we are in the kingdom. I'm calling you to not dissipate, but to stay in love and community to demonstrate what God's heart is like, what God is like because of the community of faith that you are as you extend that kingdom. But you demonstrate it as a community. You're a contrast community. You, you are the proof that God is good. Amen? So James, is he's speaking to us. Let's just take this directly. He's speaking to all the churches of all time, and he's saying, look, this is how we've got to continue to move forward. This is how we got to stay together. This is how we got to love and how we got to live in order to be a part of what God's doing and in order that the world would see and come to him. Amen? So James is calling us to John 17. They're going to see your love for each other. They're going to see how you love each other and how you're one, and they're going to know that my Father sent me. That's what we're doing here. That's the goal. And James is going to call us to look at two different realities, two different philosophies, two different motivations here. And, the, and here's what they are, either pride or humility. He's going to call us, he's saying, look, you're either going to come under the influence and be motivated by pride, or you're going to come under the influence and be motivated by humility, all right? And he's going to break it down. But let me go ahead and let the scripture speak for itself. I want to share a couple thoughts with you. So he begins, uh, verse 1, we're in the ESV today. What causes quarrels? What causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you don't have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You don't have because you don't ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. I'm going to stop right there. Now, on that first scripture... There's a couple words that pop out right away, and we look at that, and we go, well, that's interesting. He says, what causes quarrels, what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? And then at the end, he says, when you do ask, you don't receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. And that word passions, that word there in the Greek, which is what this was written, this translated from the Greek, that word passions is the word hedone. It's the word that we get hedonism from. You guys know what hedonism is? Well, if you don't, you're about to find out. Hedonism is pleasure-seeking behavior. Hedonism, the ethical doctrine of hedonism regards pleasure and happiness as the highest good. If it's pleasurable, then it's the highest ethical value. Lastly, in psychology, hedonism is the theory that the attainment of pleasure and the avoidance of pain is the prime motivator of human behavior. A hedonist is a person whose life is devoted to the pursuit of pleasure and self-gratification. How about that? That just sounds like an indictment right there, doesn't it? It's an indictment, honestly, of the leading spirit of our age. 
There's nothing new about it. This is a, the Greeks didn't invent hedonism. Satan did. But the Greeks were the first, at that time, the Greek philosophers were the first to really call it together and say, this is a working philosophy that you could live by this, this ethic, this teaching, and it should be the prime motivator for you. And if, if you've read anything about some of the history of Rome and some of the, the uh, Caesars, some of the, the rulers of that time, they were epic in taking hedonism to its natural end. And if you look at today, a person whose life is devoted to the pursuit of pleasure and self-gratification. Let me put that in today's language. You do you. Live your truth. You need to do what's right for you. Follow your heart. Who am I to stand in the way of your happiness? Hey, if it makes you happy. You guys, I would like to suggest to you that although the language is not hedonism, we don't use that word very often here, although I will say, never mind, nope, nope, stay on track, stay on track. That was a sign and a wonder. Thank you guys for praying for me. I'm getting better, I'm getting better. But I would dare say that the leading principle that we see in the West, and especially in America, as the single most prosperous nation with the greatest amount of freedom that has ever existed in the history of the world at this time has primarily embraced a lifestyle of hedonism. It's a guiding philosophy and it's a spirit of the age. Would you agree with that? That, that we're being tempted by and it's the water that we swim in. The water that we swim in is that the, the, the pursuit of pleasure and self-gratification is the highest good, and anyone who would oppose that is absolutely anathema. In fact, if you try to oppose that, I will cancel you. Come on, does that sound familiar? So James has got a pretty good word for us today. But what he's saying is he says, listen, where do quarrels and fights come from among you? He says, it comes from your passions. It comes from your hedonism that's in your heart. Let's break down hedonism, though. What is it really? What is, what is hedonism? What's behind hedonism? Well, you know what's behind it? Pride. Pride says that I know what's best at all times. Pride says that what I want and what I like is the most important thing, and I should have whatever I want, when I want it, how I want it, with whoever I want it, from whoever I want it, and also, who are you to dare to tell me different? Pride is the sin that Satan first perpetrated and was thrown out of heaven. How many of you guys know he was and continues to be a hedonist? Pride and hedonism is the same thing. Would you agree? And James is saying, listen, that's the spirit that's warring inside of us, is the spirit of pride. But he brings a finer point to it. It's pride exercising itself in seeking my desires and the things that I want first. And therefore, and then and he draws it, he, he brings it even stronger. And what he's doing is he's matching Jesus' teaching, because Jesus said, listen, I'm telling you that the things that are inside of your heart... That's where all the trouble comes from. Don't look outside and say, oh, it's because of wealth inequality. Oh, it's because of this. Oh, it's because of that. He's going, no, no, no. The trouble you have is coming because right here. 
It's a sin of pride. It's a problem of pride. It's the passion. It's the hedonism in every heart. And Jesus said this, you've heard it said, if you commit adultery, you're in trouble. Jesus says, listen, I'm telling you, if you even look at a woman to lust after her in your heart, you already committed adultery. If you're angry with your brother without cause, you're already a murderer. James is just reminding us of that teaching. So he's saying, you need to take, a, you need to be aware of what's going on in your heart. Now, why is this important in regard to pride? Why is, why is it important that we understand what James is saying? Because he's, he's putting this in a certain place. And you know what he's putting it in? He's putting it in the place of saying, when you have these, these passions, this pride, what does it do? What does it do? It causes fights and quarrels. What does it do? It causes you, I mean, he draws it all the way out to say, when this gets all the way to where it's going, then you're Cain and they're Abel. You're going to kill them. You're going to kill him. It's already in your heart. If it, like basically he's saying, you've already decided if it comes down, if it's between me or you, it's going to be me. I will get a rock, a brick, a cancel button. I'll do anything I have to do to say, I get what I want and you're second. And he goes, that's the spirit of this age. And God hates that. He hates that. Why does he hate that? Because it destroys community. See, we're called to a different spirit, a spirit of humility. And what is that humility? What's behind humility? Love. Jesus Christ, it says, we just, you know, we've just read about him, right? He didn't see being equal with God as something to be attained, but he laid it all down to come and give his life for us so that he could be married to us. Whoa. Completely different motivation, and it exercises itself in humility. So we have a choice. We can either move together in community in love and humility, or we will leave the community and we will be independent and proud. You see that? I want to read it to you in the message. Um, here we go. Where do you think all these appalling wars and quarrels come from? Do you think they just happen? Think again. They come about because you want your own way and fight for it deep inside yourselves. You lust for what you don't have, and you're willing to kill to get it. You want what isn't yours, and you will risk violence to get your hands on it. Check that out. It wrestles deep within you. That's the spirit of this world. And James is, he's calling out. Now, now remember, he's calling out to people that he loves. This isn't James going, hey, world, you guys, you are all terrible. Rah, 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 rah. Repent. You're going to burn. No. He's talking to us. He's talking to the church and saying, hey, church, I love you. But where are these fights and quarrels coming from that are causing you to break away from the community, that are causing you to step out of relationship, to create distance? Where's that coming from? I'm telling you, it's coming from your hedonistic, proud heart. So, so I want us to let him do that. <laughs> Remember, this is our friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. James is being our friend, but he's, man, he's going after the heart. Ouch. Lord, I thought that I was just really a truth seeker, and that's why I'm separating from these people that have stupid ideas. I need to distance myself. He's like, no, you want your own way, and you don't like being, you don't like this friction. It's costing you something. It doesn't, it's not pleasurable, and you're certain not, certainly not getting any self-gratification out of it, so you're just stepping back because you don't love enough to feel the pain. That's not spiritual blessing. That's just your pride, Josh. That's just you being a hedonist. They're not serving you quickly. We church it up, right? How about these terms? You need to step back from that. That's, 
That's a toxic relationship. Oh, you need some me time. They take. You need to really step back. You, you can't be in that relationship. Ooh. See, what's interesting about this is, is God is giving us an opportunity through James. He's saying, you're invited to, ed- wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. You're invited to not get ahead of yourself. <laughs> Joshua Revis. See, we're not allowed to put ourselves first. In the kingdom, we put God first. We, we don't, hedonism says that my pleasures are on the throne. Christ says the Father is on the throne. And you're in one kingdom or you're in the other. And he, and he, and he let's go to the next scripture because he's going to break it down and he actually takes this principle this principle of I'm either in pride, which will cause me to break from community, or I'm in humility, which is motivated by love, which will cause me to stay in connection and relationship and community. And they both mean something. And he puts it into this context. He starts with this strong words. He says, uh, the one before, um, you adulterous, you adulterous people. You adulterous people. Now, James chooses that word, you adulterous people. And that's an interesting way to say it, isn't it? He, he, he says, why does he use the word adultery? He didn't say you fornicating people. He didn't say you idolatrous people. He said you adulterous people. And again, remember, he's talking to the church. He's saying, in the context of this, if you let pride rule and be the spirit in your heart. I want you to know that that's causing you to break away from community, break away from the faith, break away from what you're doing, and go independent. I want you to know when you're doing that, what that equals is committing adultery. Against who? Well, you adulterous people. He's saying, do you not remember? You're married to God. And not individually, like Joshua Rivas isn't married to Jesus. Joshua Rivas, with all of you, are the bride of Christ, and we together are married to Jesus, which means we have to be together in being married to Jesus. We're not independently in this. Are you seeing that? So they're, they're so intrinsically connected. And what do we see in the spirit of this age? Oh, it's just me and Jesus. I don't really need the people of God. I don't really believe in organized religion. It's more of an open marriage thing on my end. Just do what I do. Right? And he's going, no, 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 that's the spirit of the world. What I'm telling you is that when you break from community, when you break from living out these scriptures together, you're entering into pride. You're entering into pride. And that pride equals committing adultery against Jesus. Let me finish the scripture. He says, uh, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? What's the friendship with the world? Agreeing with the spirit of pride through hedonism. Seeking my own pleasure first and my own self-gratification above all things. That's, that's friendship with the world. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Yikes. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? He yearns jealously. In what context? As a husband for his wife, we're not talking about like, hey, were you out there flirting with other people? I'm going to beat you up. No, no, no. That's not it. No, no, no. He's saying, listen, let's look at the context of how Jesus proposed to us. We were deceived by an enemy and sold into sin and slavery and death. 
And Jesus was like, Father, this is not cool. And Father's going, yeah, I don't like this either. This enemy got in here. What are we going to do? And Jesus says, listen, I want you to have your kids back. I tell you what, I'm going to go down. I'm going to go live the life that they should have lived. I'm going to die the, li- the death they deserve to die so that they can have the life that I lived. And then I'm going to marry them and be in covenant for all of eternity. And dad, you know what? You're going to have your kids back. And I'm going to have my bride all together. And I'm going to show them with my love before they even, che- before they even choose me. That's how I'm going to propose, by laying my life down. That's a love. That's humility. And he gave up all of his God powers to do it. And he's going, that's the spirit of Christ. That's the marriage you're in. So in that marriage, there are certain things that he expects, like don't flirt with other people. Like, you are married to me. You see my devotion. You see my love. This is not an open relationship. Let me share a story with you. When, when I, uh, before I met Karen, about 13 years old, I, I had this deep, deep ache in my heart that I needed her so bad. I remember listening to uh, Richard Marks. Do you Wherever you go, whatever you do, I will be right here waiting for you. And I was like, oh God, wherever you are, I don't even know. I just ached for her. But being the proactive person that I was, I started looking for her, and I knew that she was definitely made in God's image and beautiful. So I just checked with all of the beautiful people made in God's image and flirted like crazy. And obviously, I was awesome at it because I met Karen, and she decided to marry me. But while we were dating, we would go out, and we'd go to dinner, and we're hanging out, and everything's going great. And then at one point, she says to me, Joshua, um... I would appreciate it if you would stop flirting with like all of the wait staff. And I was like, what now? And she's like, yeah, this is, it's like embarrassing. And you're, I don't like it at all. Like if you want to date all of them, date all of them. But if you want to date me, stop trying to date all of them. And I was, I was super embarrassed because I didn't even know that I was doing it. Why? Because up until I got to Karen, it was okay. I was looking for her. I was looking for my bride. As it turns out, she had to remind me more than once. So it took me a little while. It took me a little while to get my, to get my, my, to get my actions to match my covenant. What's the point? The point is, is that when we are entering into the spirit of the world, when we're allowing this self-serving, self-gratification, pride spirit to come in and divide us, God sees that as us flirting with the spirit of the world. That spirit of pride is us cheating on God. He has chosen love and humility, which will always heal and bring us together. Pride will always divide. It will always cause me in my rightness to, to, to break away from the people that I'm actually called to love like he loves. Love him with all your heart, strength, and mind. Love one another as you love yourselves. There's room for everyone, but I am not first. He's always first, and, it's, and it sets me free from that spirit of this age, that hedonistic spirit that is pervasive and tempting. Amen? Amen. And so he's showing us that's what this is like. Let me read it to you in the message here, um, that uh, that same same scripture. He says, instead of saying, uh, well, in the paraphrase, here we go. You're cheating on God. (laughs) Yikes, you're cheating on God if all you want is your own way. Flirting with the world every chance you get, and you end up enemies of God and his way. And do you suppose God doesn't care? 
the proverb has it that he's, he's a fiercely jealous lover. And what he gives in love is far better than anything else you'll find. Do you know why he's jealous of our love? Because he gave his whole life for us. And so he's just saying, I just want you to return what I've done for you. I've given you everything. And all I want from you is everything. Like the whole you. Imagine if he didn't want the whole us. Imagine if he really did just not care. What if he was just like, no, I'm just using you for my own pleasure. So like after I'm done, go ahead, date other people. You can come back if you want, if I'm in the mood in this relationship. Are you seeing what I'm saying? But he's not like that. He's saying, no, I am a, I am a covenant God. This is a, this is a marriage with me and you. So we don't go give in to pride. He doesn't go, well, just serve yourself and give in to pride. Break from community and do what's right for you. If things get hard, just remember your happiness and your immediate pleasure are the most important things. So go ahead and break relationships. Don't worry about anything else. It's all about you. When we're doing that, we are actually committing adultery against God. Do you see that? When we break from the community, when we break from relationship, when we won't forgive, when we won't work through issues, when we create separation, we're committing adultery against God. That's what this says. Can you receive that? And it's, it's that, 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 let that go deep. In fact, he, he uses some language here about letting it go deep. So let's read the, the next scripture here in the ESV. But he gives more grace. He gives more grace. Um, this is my fault. I, I didn't give Joe the scriptures in the way that I'm reading them. So he's doing a great job. I love you, Joe. Uh, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says... God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Now, that is some strong language. Now, there's a couple things going on here, but I want to start with this. James is saying, listen, you need to understand that to the extent that you're under the influence of the spirit of this world, which is pride and self-centeredness, you are going to be resistant to repentance. Why? Because repentance is painful. That's why he's saying, listen, I want you to stop laughing. Oh, isn't this so fun? I don't have any troubles whatsoever. Whenever I'm, in, whenever I'm upset, I go with my friends, and we just drink wine until we're happy. Well, that's not love. That's hedonism. Isn't it great? I'm just laugh, laugh, laughing. I've got all this time to myself. I take breaks from my relationship. No need to work through the troubles. I'll just step away and give myself some space because I need some me time. That's not love. And that spirit of this age is saying, that's it. That's it, baby. You deserve it. You deserve a break. You deserve no pain. You deserve to never have to suffer. You should never have to work through things. We don't suffer here in the world. We just give you pleasure. Pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. And if you can't have pleasure, we'll give you painkillers. And, and so, so James is having to say, listen, if you're under the influence of this world, then you need to stop for a moment and let the Spirit of God, and I say this having my own heart, searched by this right now. I, this word has been testing me. I, I, gosh golly, I got to tell you, some pride has been in my heart. I've been a spiritual proud chucklehead in some areas. My daughter will tell you. My wife will tell you. And it snuck in. 
So I'm saying this to say, let the, let the word of God come in and show us these places where we've become self-serving. And instead of being motivated by love, we're actually being motivated by pride. And it's causing us to distance ourselves from people that we're actually called to love as much as we love ourselves with his love. And any place that we're justifying it, oh, well, I'm going to get around to that. I'm going to get around to that. Well, let me tell you something. Relational pain is the greatest pain that has ever been felt. It murdered Jesus on a cross. So don't take too long. It actually says, go be reconciled right now before you bring your sacrifice to the Lord. Why? Because God understands what it is to be separated from those that he loves. And you and I are not called to stay separated from those that we love and call that love. Oh, I just need more time. Well, do you? Because you're torturing them through broken relationship until you restore that relationship. That is not love. It's the spirit of this world. It's adultery against God. The world high-fives you for looking out for you, but that's just because the world only wants to look out for themselves. That's not love. That's ambivalence. That's adultery. Let it go deep. Recognize your own resistance to repentance. Take the time to be sad and say, oh, I don't like how this feels. Holy Spirit, then go deep. I don't want to rush beyond this. If I've become addicted to my own pleasure and self-gratification, if I'm running from pain, and so therefore I don't want to stay here and let you search my heart, then give me the grace right now to let you search my heart. Does that make sense? And we all need this. We all need this. Remember, this is from our friend. This is for our healing. This is for our restoration. This is for our protection. This is because we are the bride of Christ, not because we aren't, but because we are. But we all sin and fall short of his glory. We come under the influences of things. Just like me, I'm with the one that I love, flirting with the waitress. Not because I don't love her, but because I'm a fool sometimes. Because my heart deceives me sometimes. And I needed someone to love me enough. She didn't get up and leave me. She said, please, please don't flirt with someone else. Be with me. And I repented because I was wrong. And we are given that same grace. And James is saying, you have that grace. Let me read this again. But he gives more grace. You see, you and I, I think probably right now, there. I know the Holy Spirit's here, so I know we're under the conviction of the places of recognizing that there's places in our heart where our love is shallow, where our love is, is just natural. It's just simply natural, which is self-love, hedonistic love, the spirit of this age kind of love. There are those places, and he understands that. He understands that, and I want to say to us right now, here's the great news, James says, but he gives more grace. Why? Because we need it. And then, he, then he, gets, he begins to lay it out of how do we, get, how do we lay a hold of that grace? How do I how do, give me some of that grace? He says, therefore, God says, God opposes the proud, that's the spirit of the world, but gives grace to the humble. Oh, there it is, Lord. There it is. I don't know what I don't know, Lord. I'll start with that. I admit that. Lord, I, know, I admit that I don't know what I don't know. Search my heart. Show me the places where I'm guilty and I don't even know it yet. And then submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I wish I had time to preach on that, but here's the thing. Your humility defeats Satan. Doing this defeats the devil. We're just, we're in fact, that's enough, isn't it? 
hey guys, by the way, just thrown in, when we do this, Satan, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to gloom. And then here it comes. Humble yourself before the Lord, and then he will exalt you. You see, when we humble ourselves in before the Lord, we lay hold of the grace that's available. And how many of you guys understand right now, right? I, I just want to let you know there's some people in my life right now I'm having a hard time loving beyond natural love. I, I'll say it like this. I have some people in my life right now, and you know who you are, and I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, it's just, it just was getting a little heavy. I, forgive me. But there's some people in my life right now that honestly, I'm just like, you know what? You sowed it, you reap it. Why don't you learn something? Well, I'm really glad that God doesn't do that to me. He hasn't done that to me. So how dare I do that to them? I'm letting them reap what they've naturally sown in the relationship. Well, you know what? You sowed it, you reap it. And I'm under the conviction of the Lord that that attitude needs to change. And I'm confessing it to all of you because it's true. And I'm guilty and I'm, I'm sick with it. But I'm also aware, as I'm humbling myself, that I don't have anything beyond my natural love. And I'm seeing right here, oh, thank God, there's grace to love more than I love right now. I want to invite you into the same thing. There's grace to love more deeply and better and with a different spirit than the one in the place where you're under conviction. God's not condemning you that you can't do it. He's telling you, I already know you can't do it. What I'm telling you is you can do it with me. Humble yourself and admit that your opinion is nothing compared to his. Humble yourself and admit that you're not the smartest person in the room and that his love is that yes, they're guilty and they hurt you, but you're guilty and you hurt him. So forgive them because he forgave you. Humble ourselves and let that go in deep and then to the extent that we don't actually have what it takes, he goes, I know. That's why I've given you my own spirit. But if you're gonna be proud, you're committing adultery against me and you're gonna reap what you sowed and we don't have time to go into this, but Matthew 18 says you're going to get turned over to be tortured by demons until you forgive them. If you'll humble yourself, though, it says you'll defeat the devil. If you won't humble yourself, the devil gets to defeat you. And we all look at this and we go, oh, what do I do? And he goes, humble yourself. Embrace the spirit of Christ who humbled himself. And there's grace. And that grace manifests then as creative ways to reconcile. It humbles itself as kindness and humility and the ability to heal the relationships and stay in the spirit of Christ together. It causes us to not try to create more distance for longer amounts of time, but less distance for shorter amounts of time because we understand that relational trauma is what put Jesus on the cross and murdered the son of God. And we go, I'm not going to have any part in that. I'm for healing. I'm not for relational brokenness, which is the worst emotional pain in all of creation. And so if you're in that place right now, and I think all of us have those spaces, I would dare say that we all need grace at all times. Amen? 
And so then it's not about that I have to be right. I don't have to be right. Because he is. And so then I say, well, then, Lord, give me your grace. I humble myself and I say, Lord, I, I fail and I misunderstand and I make mistakes, but that's, that doesn't make me less valuable. You value me as much as you love Jesus Christ. So this isn't about value. This is about give me the grace then to do what's right. Give me the grace to have a love that's deeper than the one I currently have. Give me the grace to have the hard conversation. Give me the grace to stay in relationship. Give me the grace to actually love these people and prefer these people more than I prefer others because they are also the bride of Christ. Give me the grace to stop calling Christians hypocrites and I prefer unbelievers because at least they're honest about it. That's just the spirit of this world. That's just spiritual proud. You're just judging your neighbor. Getting into next week's preach. <laughs> Aren't you glad that he extends that grace? Aren't you glad that he doesn't say, look, you committed adultery and you're out. No, he says, understand when you do this, it's committing adultery, but he gives more grace. Therefore, may the Lord give us grace. I want to just take this last three minutes and um, Bo's going to pick something that's sweet and lovely without words that I didn't warn him ahead of time. Can we just give Jesus these three minutes? Can we give Holy Spirit these three minutes as a beginning of a conversation to say, Lord, search me and show me the places where I need more grace. And if, if you have sinned, just confess it. There's more grace. But we need his grace to love like he loves. And he's not ashamed of us. He knows that we don't have it. He wants to give it to us. But we have to admit we don't have it. So, Lord, we invite you to search us. We thank you for this next few minutes. And after you're, after you're at peace with the Lord, then you are dismissed. I'm going to come sit down and spend some time in his presence as well.